That is, um, if I have a skill. I don't know anything. Awesome is wasted on you. <laughs> You're everything I hope for. We are already off the rails. It's episode 104 of the EdTech Loop podcast. My name is Larry Burden, and she has climbed the highest mountains. She has run through the fields. It's Danielle Brostrom. I made a pilgrimage to the Oracle of Delphi only to realize I could have just Googled this week's moment of zen we thought that we had the answers it was the questions we had wrong this week's meet of the show is warm as the night but cold as the stone but you still haven't found what you're looking for it's, she does not get the reference at all i just googled it i know who sings it yes <laughs> this week we're doing searches we are we're, we're figuring out how to better use google or other avenues to get the information that we're looking for. And I want to apologize for any pounding that you hear in the background. Construction. Uh, there's construction going on. So great time to do a podcast. <laughs> oh, it always happens this way. <laughs> so what do you have? There was a list. You had a, a monstrous list of better avenues to search. Well, let me tell you how this podcast started. Um, have you ever sat next to a kid who is trying to look for information online. Oh, for sure. Man, the the way that, that they searched. I watched my daughter the other day and she types what she's looking for into Google. Um, and instead of even looking at the results that she gets, she goes straight to images and just starts scrolling through the images. Like, what are you doing? She's like, trying to find information <laughs> and my insides are like oh oh wait a second wait a second wait a second there's so much better ways than typing in what you want to google and going straight to images and i, I get why she does it because as as a kid well even as an adult sometimes the res the things that come back from google aren't always what you're looking for sometimes they are if you're looking for something very specific but if you're trying to do research especially as a child who can't read a lot of the things that are coming back that's a lot of words it's a lot of words a lot of words which is why they go to images but what i want to suggest today are some different ways to do to do searches and some different ways to get information that you need online. As a kid living in Michigan, you have access to Mel.org. And Mel.org is an amazing resource. Mel is the Michigan e-library. And there are a ton of free databases on here that you can use. So when you go to Mel.org and you go to the kids section, there are... Do you like it that I'm counting? There are like 14 different databases. Just more editing. That's all. <laughs> Oh, I'll leave that I just, in. Just do it regularly during the podcast so you can edit it out later. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm just hitting record, <laughs> stop record, record, stop, stop record. Um, but what I like is that these resources are bringing much more relevant, reliable resources to kids. Um, and there's everything. There's great alliteration great... there, by the way. I'm Thank just you. interrupting you all the time. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but that was wonderful it's alliteration. It's not <laughs> affecting my train of thought at all. Um, there's some great resources on here for pre-K to second grade and that especially, I think, is a level that's really hard. If you're having your kids do research on a specific animal or a specific place, trying to find resources that they can learn from, it's it's very difficult, um, especially online. So I love, for example, um, Britannica Fundamentals is great just all over learning. Um, it's really play-based, learning letters, numbers, shapes, and more. But when you're getting to that informational part, I think 
nothing beats PebbleGo. PebbleGo is a brand new database that Mel.org um, recently subscribed to. And it is so, so kid friendly. Um, when you first go to the opening module, they let you choose from animals or social studies. So the littles, most of them are going to choose animals. And then from there, let's say you choose insects and spiders. And then you go in and you can specifically look at the information that they're giving you. And they're giving you information on, in fact, I'm on the dragonflies page, the body, the habitat, the food, the life cycle, and fun facts. And my favorite part is that there is a little microphone, not microphone, speaker right here. So you push the speaker and it reads to you. That is huge for our kids. So it's bringing that information really down in a level that our littles can understand it, which is so much better than what they would get from a Google search on dragonflies. That page looks so much more um, developmentally appropriate for our littles. The text was large. Um, the graphics were were there, but they weren't busy. It was just very readable. Yeah, it totally is. And I'm sure the Lexile there is probably appropriate as well. So PebbleGo is one of my favorites for littles. So I would definitely recommend that one. Um, I'm also really, really intrigued by this one, Explora. Explora for elementary schools is another new one that they've recently gotten access to. This is through mel.org. Yep. I just click on Explora for elementary schools. So again, it's very, very kid friendly. Kids can go in and they can click on the biography section and go in and learn about Marie Antoinette or Maya Angelou or, and what's nice is that not only does it give you know, weirdly, only people with M's in their name. It's crazy. <laughs> nah. No, it gives much more than that. Not only does it give a lot of different resources, it gives a lot of different kinds of resources. Kids can read ebooks and periodicals. There's just a lot of varied resources on here. And again, it has that speaker button. So that way kids can have it read to them. Most of these connect to Google Classroom so that they can... Um, put it right into the work that they're currently doing in their in their classroom. There's always a button that they can save it into a specialized list if they want to look back at it later. There's always buttons to help kids cite what they're finding. The pictures are incredible and accurate, and it's just uh, just a better way to search. Um, on the Technologist podcast that mm-hmm. we released, we covered um, Gale Power Search. Nice. Which Tell is me more about that. So Gale Power Search would seem to be similar to um, the ones that you brought up, but more for our secondary school students. Yeah, I would I would definitely say go back and listen to the pod last week because we covered it really in detail. Awesome. But it really um, hones in on if you're looking for specific research and research papers on things. So that and it automatically does the citing, the citations for you. Um, and there's a couple different types of search within Gale Power Search, and that is something that we uh, subscribe to as a district as well. And I'm sure other districts do if you're listening outside of our district. So one of the nice things about Gale Power Search, and I'm sure these searches as well, is if you Google something, you're going to get 14 million, you know, 20-some million hits on whatever you're looking for. If you go into one of these search engines, you're going to get 45. You're going to get 17. And the the information that you're getting back is going to be much more reliable and useful. And they're not going to have to sift through however many pages before they get to something useful. And oftentimes what happens, because I know I do it, and I'm sure you do it too, if you Google something and it's not in the first 
maybe second page, you're done. It's and yeah. I'm sure our kids are like, oh, there's nothing on this in, on this topic, and they fit that wall, and they're not going to probably go too much deeper because they really don't. You know, going back to the uh, the moment of Zen, it's the questions they have wrong. It's not necessarily the answers. They have to know what questions to ask, and if they're asking Google, they might ask the wrong question and get the wrong responses back or just not useful responses. So by going to one of the more refined search engines, refined databases, they're going to be much more likely to have the right an- right question and the answers will come. I should have used this stuff more when I was in the classroom. I, I, know, I watched my kids fumbling around Google and fumbling to find things that would work for them. Today, I was doing some sample searches, searching on Google and then searching on the different databases. So I searched for Amelia Earhart on Google and got some things um, that were very appropriate for an adult. If I was doing some research on her, I would be able to figure out what I needed. But thinking like a kid, I would be lost. And then I did the same search on Britannica School, which is connected through melt.org, so free to all Michigan kiddos. And man, I mean, this this is amazing. I can change the reading level of my article. I can have it read to me. I can, I can have it saved and cited and there's images. Like this is so much more accessible for our kids. Continually, our kids should be using this and they should be using it often. I did a search on Google for esports because I know a lot of kids are interested in that and I can totally see a kid coming to their teacher and wanting to read about that or learn more about that. The stuff that I found, again, very adult-based. I did a search for esports on um, a database that we haven't mentioned yet that came through mal.org called the ebook K8 collection. You can access full text of ebooks from your computer. And I found this amazing little picture book ebook about esports. It was awesome. It was right at a kid's level. So when your kids are doing research, either you can take a look at the resources that are offered at mal.org and kind of direct them to students that way, or have the kids specifically go to those databases. They even have a Spanish encyclopedia. I mean, it's amazing. Oh, and on some of these, you can change the language too. Like I noticed that this morning on the Amelia Earhart one for Britannica School Elementary, I could translate it so I could flap the language to Russian if I was um, an ELL student and English wasn't my first language. I could translate it to my first language so I could get the knowledge. I guess one of the realities though is Google is there and Google is easy. It is. So they're probably going to use Google as well. There are ways to make Google a little more efficient. And we were talking about this before the pod. This is my story. So I think it was maybe, might be eight, nine years ago now. It might even be longer. We had a presentation uh, and our keynote, it was called TCAPS Tomorrow Today. It was our second one. I remember This is a while that. ago. This is a while ago. And we had Alan November mm-hmm. um, do the keynote. And one of the things that he shared were actually uh, Google search tips. Which I was, you know, during the the keynote, I'm like, this is great. These are so useful. And I have not remembered one of them. And And I was trying to, I didn't write them down, of course. What's worse is I never Googled them. Cause you know, if you, if there are Google search tips, they would probably be on Google. And lo and behold, this morning, you know what I what, did? What would you find? <laughs> I found a lot. And amazingly, Google has some themselves. So, and, and they were all basically the same. But I'm gonna, if I can, I'll, I'll share a couple of them. One of the simplest ones were quotes. If you want to search an exact phrase, you put it in quotes, 
And instead of searching for each particular word, which is what typically a search engine does, um, it will search for that exact phrase. So that alone is a terribly useful tip. If you want to say the, the example that you used was, say you're searching for Mustangs, but you're searching specifically for the horse. Okay. If you put a dash cars, it'll exclude oh. all the references to cars. Minus cars. That makes sense. Yeah. So another useful one. Similar words. The squiggly dash. We, we're, think, we're thinking it's utility. Um, you can search for synonyms. Oh, that's cool. So you'd put the the, the, the tilde. Not really confident about that. Wow. Um, and then the word, and it'll give you synonyms to that word. Nice. Awesome. Um, if you put capital O-R, it has to be a capital O-R. Otherwise, it'll look for it as a specific word or a, you know, a word to search for. It'll give you, you can search for multiple words. So um, say, and this was an example, onions or scallions. Oh, okay. All right. Numeric ranges. So searches between the numbers 45 and 46, you put an ellipses in between and it'll search for those numbers in between. Define meanings, define colon, and it'll give you the meaning. This one I thought was cool. Site colon. And this is kind of a great way to refine a search. So say you want to learn about cats, but you want to learn about cats or research maybe on cats. You can put cats site colon edu and it'll only search edu sites. S-I-T-E site, not C-I-T-E. Bingo. Yeah. Nice. Yep, yep, yep. So that one's really useful. Or you could go, nice. you know, specifically to maybe natgeo.com or whatever yeah, the National you Geographic. You can, you can go that deep as well. There's a few more on there. Obviously, you could just Google search tips and they would give nice. you a bunch of search tips. So that was my, oh, by the way. Have you played around with some of the specialized search engines that Google has? No. no. Okay. So there's some super cool specialized search engines that Google has as well. Um, Google Trends is pretty cool. You can explore how Google data can be used to tell stories. You will get um, sucked in really quickly because you can be like, oh, what was the most searched for thing in 2017 or the most searched for thing in 2014? So that's kind of cool because it takes all of the data from what people have searched for and it will show it by like region or subregion or timelines. I, I just... I think it's kind of cool to look at a map of the United States and see where people search for Taylor Swift versus Kim Kardashian and interest over time graphs. And there's just some cool stuff here. Um, I don't know. It's fun to, to go down the rabbit hole of Google Trends. But what I think is another useful Google search, not saying that that one isn't. But... <laughs> that sounds like the other things that we've been telling people not to do. <laughs> I know. Google Scholar, though, freely accessible web search engine that indexes the full text or the metadata of scholarly literature across um, major publishing formats and disciplines. So if you are um, a high school student, I would be looking on Google Scholar when you're trying to do some of your searches instead of just regular old Google. Um, and then the last uh, specialized search that um, I'm not saying it's a time waster, but I'm going to say it's pretty cool. Google patents. You can specifically search to see and read patents from around the world. So like you can see the different patents for the bicycle based on the different years and you can see sketches and it's it's incredible if you're doing some research on a topic like it's a, that. It's a different way to look at the it's history so cool. of a topic or of, a, of an item or right. whatever. I but think if that's you great. Googled bicycle history, you're not going to get that. Mm -hmm. But to be able to see the sketches of the first bicycle and the labels, and it's just a 
very, very cool way to look at that kind of stuff. So Google does offer some pretty cool specialized searches that will take a lot of your time and you will learn a lot. Well, you know, one of the things in a negative light, you know, one of the things we talk about is trying to avoid that deep dive, that rabbit hole, you know, just staying on task is very difficult when you're online. One of the beautiful things and important things about the mel.org databases and the Gale Power searches, it's hard. They make it a lot more difficult because it's it's a a closed environment. You're much less likely to get sucked into the deep dive and much more likely to stay on tasks or your students to stay on tasks. Way to bring me back, Larry. So, You're exactly <laughs> right. Because you know what? Kim Kardashian does relate to every, everything. By Would the way, you like to know what area of the United States searches her more often than the others? Because I know where to find it. <laughs> I should also say there's a Google search specifically for the bacon number. Do you know what the bacon number is? No. So if you put in a name and I think bacon colon, oh, it'll tell you how many no degrees separation they are from Kevin Bacon. Anyway, so anything else? Nothing else. Okay. We have already gone so far off the rails. Yep, nice. There's a lot more to cover here. So uh, Tech Tool of the Week. Tech Tool of the Week. I have to mention the Global School Play Day is coming. Um, they've scheduled it this year for February 5th, 2020. You can check out the hashtag GSPD2020. And essentially what it is on February 5th, they want you to allow your students to play play with toys around the room, take them outside. They tell teachers, don't organize anything. Don't tell them how to play. Don't interfere unless you see something that could get you fired or you need to, you know, intervene because kids are going to get hurt. But let them kind of try to work things out. Obviously, don't leave them unsupervised, but try to be invisible and let the kids play. Let them have that unstructured play that's so good for their brains. I, I don't think it. this is just for littles. I think that when we used to do this in upper elementary, they enjoy it too. Obviously, a full day is a lot. Um, I would suggest an hour. Make it an hour of play. It's just the point is to raise awareness and start some discussions on that kids need to play. I might suggest going more than an hour. I think we talked about it previously just because you want to give them time to be bored. Yeah. My first thought was, man, it it's, says something that we can only offer an hour for them to play and but then we have to get do back. what we can do within our yeah. systems but to really i think find the benefits of that play they have to get bored i don't know how that's going to work as far as classroom management goes so but i'll let you guys figure that one but out but you know what though kids kids thrive on this kind of stuff if you told them guys for the next hour and a half we're not going to do what we normally do we're going to play I've got board games and Legos and cardboard boxes and markers and puzzles. And the kids are going to be, a, they're going to be excited about that. They're going to recognize that this is something special and they're not going to take advantage of it. And they, they say to not to do electronics unless it's some kind of a timer, you know, with a board game, but not to do electronics. And an alternative too is taking the kids outside, get them out in the dirt, get them in the snow, give them time to explore and dig and get messy. That's so necessary to their development. So that's February 5th, Wednesday, February 5th. I might do that within our office. And obviously, if you can't schedule it on that day, do it another day. The important thing is that kids need to not think that play is a waste of time and see the value in it. Amen. 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 All right. Um, tutorials and updates. I'm just going to turn it over to you. 
Do I, think... I have tutorials? I don't have no, tutorials. No, but you have updates. I have an update. <laughs> I thought that was going to be obvious. I was, I I was making was the segue. Um, Wired TC. Okay, so every year we start talking about Wired and I get all excited and I say, oh, this is the best year yet. I cannot wait. This really is the best year yet. And I cannot wait. We've got a date, um, August 10th, 2020. I am currently waiting to hear confirmation from our keynote, so I cannot share that yet. But I will tell you, when I told David Noller, he said that it was like how butterflies can hear color, that they'd be able to hear our excitement for this keynote. So, because you know, David is very literary, and that mm -hmm. was a great way to put it. It's going to be amazing. Um, we're bringing a really, really high-profile keynote um, who's going to have some amazing things to share. So you're not going to want to miss this one. Mark your calendar now, August 10th, 2020. And uh, stay tuned because we will give Kim more Kardashian? updates on the loop. No, no, no. Because no. she's probably trending in Michigan. No, she will be now. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, Larry. <laughs> All right. I'm very excited. It's going to be great this year. It'll be great. All right. Um, in closing, follow us on Facebook and Twitter at TCAPS Loop. At Brostrom DA. Subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Downcast, Overcast, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or wherever else you get your ear candy. Leave a review. We love the feedback. Thank you for listening and inspiring. Well, you said Todd Neibauer. I know. And uh, enough said. That's uh, I know. That's An too tech.